From KYW News Radio in Philadelphia, this is Scroll Down. I'm Tom Rickert. Today on the podcast. The reason why we're joining here today is the Attorney General will announce a uh, significant takedown of drugs and guns that have been affecting our region. It started with investigators taking a look at a drug rig. began in early 2018 as an investigation of an alleged cocaine distribution ring in Lindenwald. Camden County, New Jersey. The investigation expanded dramatically. A year later, it had turned into Operation Stonewall. A year-long investigation. Local, county, state, and federal. Led by the Division of Criminal Justice and the New Jersey State Police. That led to the arrest of 12 defendants. After a wiretap revealed the narcotics trafficking ring was dealing more than drugs. Members of this ring trafficked ghost gun assault rifles. Hey, Steve. Hello, Tom. Steve Tawa is a reporter at KYW News Radio. You might remember him here for breaking down the aftermath of the nursing home fire episode. Steve, thanks for coming back to scroll down. Good to be here with you. Take me through the very beginning of this investigation This that eventually becomes Operation Stonewall. Well, it began more than a year ago, Tom, uh, as a look into a cocaine ring that was based in Lindenwald, New Jersey, Camden County. As detectives delved deeper into it, they heard some curious conversations among some of the participants of this alleged cocaine ring talking about trying to get access to weapons, which we now know are ghost guns. How did you find out about this investigation a year later? Well, we got word from the New Jersey Attorney General Gabir Graywall's office and Camden County Police Chief Scott Thompson were going to hold a briefing with reporters uh, some four months after Governor Murphy signed the ghost guns legislation uh, to crack down on these new age weapons of destruction. And we didn't know what it would contain, although we were told that there could have been upwards of a dozen arrests. So I went to the uh, Camden County Police Administration building, roughly 8th and Federal Streets, exchanged pleasantries with the Camden County Police Chief Scott Thompson. Good morning. My name is Scott Thompson. Uh, I'm the police chief of the Camden County Police Department, and I'm hosting today's event. So uh, thank you all for joining us here today. There was a long line of state police, of uh, New Jersey officials. The Gloucester County Prosecutor. Voorhees Police. Manny from Police Department. The Gloucester Township. Defer Police Department. The Lindenwald Police Department. Colonel of State Police. Pat Callahan. Criminal Justice Deputy Deputy Director Director Jill Mayer was there. Acting Special Agent in Charge of the FBI in Philadelphia, Steve McQueen. Michael Messenger of the FBI as well. So without further ado... I'd like to introduce to you the Chief Law Enforcement Officer in the state of New Jersey, Attorney General Grabir Graywall. General? New Jersey Attorney General Gabir Graywall said it was a significant takedown of a narcotics and weapons trafficking ring that was dealing with these ghost gun AR-15 assault rifles. We're here today to announce charges against 12 men as part of our takedown of a criminal network. Eight of them are charged with the normal distributing drugs, the cocaine charges, but Importantly, four are charged with conspiring to sell these six untraceable AR-15 assault rifles. For prices ranging from $1,100 to $1,300 each. That's twice the price that these guns sell for on the legal gun market. Ghost guns are guns that are assembled from kits purchased online. They're not registered. They don't have serial numbers. 
and they're sold without any background check process whatsoever. We also intercepted the parts for two more ghost gun AR-15 assault rifles. Those are the hefty uh, ghost gun uh, violations that I believe they can get 10 to 20 years on each count. Yeah, I, I want to get into the weeds a little bit on this. A ghost gun is one that does not have a serial number. How does the gun not have a serial number? How does this ghost gun work? Well, you know, Tom, the answer is tricky. The only part of the gun that is legally considered to be a gun is that lower receiver part. That's the hub of the gun. Everything else, for the most part, attaches to that lower receiver. And that's where we would, on a normal gun, find the serial number. It's not on these guns. So that's the tricky part. You can't buy that online, but you can buy the mostly complete but unfinished lower receiver. That's where we hear that term, 80% receivers. I previously said that the guns are sold in kits, but the reality is that they are 80% finished when they are shipped. 80% of the way turned into a gun part, but it's still legally considered just a block of plastic or aluminum. They fabricate the lower part of these guns, the 80% complete portions, and then sell the remaining parts and then in some cases provide links to YouTube videos on how to complete them. And so during this news conference, Attorney General Graywall and the Criminal Justice Deputy Director Jill Mayer walked us through how these guys were uh, allegedly buying incomplete AR-15 lower receivers and finishing the last 20% of it. They buy the other parts of the assault rifle online, assemble the gun, and then you have that untraceable, very effective firearm ready for sale. And so it's doing a complete end around a process we have in place to ensure public safety and law enforcement safety here in New Jersey. Across the river here in Philadelphia, DA Larry Krasner has been calling them 80% weapons for a long time. Uh, New Jersey Attorney General Gabir Graywall uses the term ghost guns. But what makes this case so important and truly a landmark investigation is that the members of this ring are the very first defendants to be charged for manufacturing and distributing ghost guns under a new law signed by Governor Murphy last November. Basically, this is four months after Governor Murphy signed that law, and it criminalizes the building, possession, or selling of parts to make ghost guns because of their lack of serial numbers that makes them untraceable. Attorney General Graywall says that, by all appearances, the law kind of worked because of uh, a detail in this case. Tom, this was a definite circuitous route that led authorities to this ghost gun investigation because, as we've been pointing out, it began as a drug investigation. But during that drug investigation, detectives were able to get a wiretap because they were beginning to hear these people talk about ghost guns and how they could acquire them. Some of the conversations among uh, uh, members of this alleged criminal network were secretly recorded. And I remembered at the news conference, they had a big uh, cheat sheet for us to look at some of the conversations that the suspects were having on tape. And one of them was secretly recorded saying, quote, all right, I just wanted to let you know that I just got confirmation. It'll be here Sunday. So we got to go. They changed some laws. So we got to go over to Philly and pick it up. So these defendants were very much aware of the ghost guns law and as it turns out, at least parts of these AR-15 rifles were shipped 
across the river to Ben Salem, PA. That manufacturer refused to sell the parts for these weapons into New Jersey. And here's, you, you highlighted the issue. They didn't stop selling because they were selling the parts to AR-15s, which would qualify as unlawful under existing law, but rather because of the new law, which specifically spoke to uh, ghost guns, right, to the, the manufacturer and sale of ghost gun parts into New Jersey. So uh, that's what prompted them, we allege, based on uh, you know, the conversation that's on this board to, to, um, to sell into Pennsylvania. So they were very much aware of that new stricter gun law, and New Jersey already has some of the strictest gun laws on the books. This is a pretty big group of important people up there to announce this. You have the attorney general, state law enforcement, higher-ups. One reason for that could be the historic significance of this bus. You know, it's the first arrest ever under this new ghost gun law. Do you think there's another reason? What What is New Jersey saying? What message are they trying to send? I think they're... Also highlighting the fact of what we're seeing in the news headlines every day of the fact that these mass shootings, uh, whether it's New Zealand or Pittsburgh or Las Vegas, that there's got to be a way to stop irresponsible people from getting these weapons. And even before Governor Murphy signed the law, this is interesting, Tom, Graywall had sent cease and desist letters to companies that produce blueprints for these ghost guns. So I believe that's my second takeaway from this uh, news conference is that in addition to making the first arrests uh, following the implementation of this ghost guns law, they're looking at people in the dark corners of the country or the world that are manufacturing these for people who are trying to skirt the law. And that that could be the next prosecution, potentially, of these manufacturers who produce these things. Steve, thanks so much for coming back to Scroll Down. You bet. Just a few days after New Jersey officials talked about the ghost gun arrests, the state filed a civil lawsuit against a company that sold parts for a ghost gun AR-15 to an undercover agent. We're bringing a civil enforcement action against U.S. Patriot Armory, a ghost gun company based in California, for violating New Jersey's consumer protection laws. We're seeking the maximum civil penalties available, and we're seeking an order from the court ordering the company to stop making sales into New Jersey. As for Operation Stonewall, four of the 12 people arrested are charged under the new ghost gun law. Deputy Director of Criminal Justice Jill Mayer says the last day of the investigation was especially eventful. On March 8th, getting into the details of the case a little bit, we executed search warrants at the residences of Stoner and Cillian and an apartment shared by Corum and Freeman. These are the four guys facing the gun charges. You can see photos of them and the eight others charged with drug offenses on our Twitter at ScrollDownPod. During the execution of those search warrants, we seized three handguns, two shotguns, some crack cocaine, approximately 120 oxycodone and Xanax pills, and several thousands dollars in cash. In addition, tools used to assemble ghost guns were found at the apartment of Corum and Freeman. We also executed a search warrant at a residence in Camden associated with defendant Monroe Gadsden, where we seized two handguns, three and a half pounds of marijuana, drug packaging materials, and $18,420 in cash. One last interesting thing that came out of the ghost gun press conference. 
One of the reporters there asked the attorney general how ghost guns in New Jersey compare with other kinds of illegal gun trafficking, like straw purchases, people buying guns for someone who can't legally own them. So I would say I would still say that straw purchasers and, and, and other trafficking rings remain the largest source of firearms trafficked into New Jersey. 80% of our firearms in New Jersey come from out of state. The majority of them come uh, from Pennsylvania. 485 or so in the last quarter of 2018 uh, came from other states. Those are not ghost guns because we're able to track them back to their point of sale. Uh, and, and that still remains the number one problem and source of uh, illegal firearms on our streets. Kristen Johansson covers crime in Philly for KRW News Radio. And she's the reporter behind the Cold Case podcast, Gone Cold Philadelphia covering unsolved murders around here. Hey, Kristen. Hi. You're my co-host, by the way. Thanks for reminding me. Appreciate no problem. It. <laughs> New Jersey's attorney general says 80% of the guns in New Jersey come from other states. He says most from Pennsylvania. And we saw that in Operation Stonewall, some of the ghost gun parts were picked up in Pennsylvania because New Jersey's laws mean they can't be shipped there. You've been tracking this story on our side of the river for a while. So my question for you, we know what New Jersey has been doing to deal with ghost guns. What's Pennsylvania up to? So there was a press conference about two weeks ago where it had popped up within this one large takedown of two different gangs. They were residing in and about south, southwest Philadelphia, northwest Philadelphia. And um, it's the 27th Street and versus 31st Street. And it's been going on for generations. There's little quips back and forth. And there was something like 14 different shootings in 19 days and two different triple shootings. And it even involved one kid, a high school kid, being killed. And it was something that was actually feet from um, an older woman and very young children, happened in front of very young children. So they're really talking about how deep this animosity is between these two gangs. And then there was a retaliation shooting, they say, that was up in northwest Philadelphia. So they ended up really looking at these two gangs and they ended up finding a few different of these ghost guns. At this press conference, Attorney General Josh Shapiro was there, District Attorney Larry Krasner was there, and then the police commissioner, Richard Ross, was there. And I asked them about Pennsylvania laws. It's very different than New Jersey. Totally two different know situations and areas can you talk about yeah. that do you want to touch on that I mean, sure. um, so you know obviously we have a bit of a difference of culture you know and i say that as someone who's actually born in the midwest and has hunters on both sides of my family and this is philadelphia district attorney larry krasner answering the question what we're dealing with in philadelphia is not an issue of hunters gun rights we're not talking about rifles what we're dealing with in philadelphia is uh, a very different situation it's an urban environment that is flooded with handguns. The killings we're talking about are committed with handguns. And even though Philadelphia does have a higher requirement for carrying guns, and so does Pittsburgh, these are two cities of the first class where you must have a permit to carry a gun, we have very, very serious problems with gun violence. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. It, it, this does, though, cause a problem, which I think is what your question goes to, which is when we try to get state legislators to pass sensible laws to do things so we don't have 80% guns floating around the streets of Philadelphia and being used in cases like this, they may not be interested. Well, they need to get interested because this affects all of us. And it doesn't work for the rural areas and the city areas to be at odds. Once again, I call on our state legislators, I call on our federal legislators not to worry too much about donations from the NRA, but to worry about the people who need protection with sensible laws. 
I would just, uh, hang on, let me, let me answer your question as well. Um, I think the people of Pennsylvania understand the need to address violence in places like Chester and Hazleton and Reading and Pittsburgh and Harrisburg and Philadelphia and Erie, all across our Commonwealth. Attorney General Josh Shapiro talks about some travels that he's had. And actually, he brought up a story about this one woman. I was in Clarion County the other night, which is up by Erie. And uh, a woman uh, asked whether or not uh, I was going to defend her Second Amendment rights. And I said, I defend your Second Amendment rights every single day as I defend the constitutional rights of all people in Pennsylvania. But I also defend that mom's right in North Philadelphia not to get shot when she walks down the street. And she in Clarion County understood that. And I think there are ways that we can pass common sense gun violence prevention measures in Harrisburg to address violence in the city and still protect people's Second Amendment rights. At the top of that list is universal background checks, at the top of that list. And you know, again, I've been an outspoken proponent of loss and stolen, dealing with 3D guns. We secured a, a national or an injunction on um, the ability to send that code here in Pennsylvania. I think the people of Pennsylvania get it. I think some of the leaders, to the district attorney's point, in Harrisburg don't. But the times are changing. The mood is changing. Uh, and I'm more optimistic today than I was just a few years ago in the ability for Harrisburg to actually pass some common sense gun violence prevention measures. Where do you think Pennsylvania is headed with laws closer to New Jersey or more hands off? So we're in a really tense position. I mean, here we have I don't I don't think anything's going to change in Harrisburg anytime soon because we have a majority of the state, at least by land, that want to have guns to go hunting. Obviously, you know, the people in Pennsylvania understand this, but you have two major cities, Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. If you look at it, look at the state, most of it is this kind of hunting ground, deer, mountains, plain, you know, farmland. It's it's not the city. But those, you know, the people that may use it responsibly for hunting season or something to have these guns. Are the same have the same exact rights as the people here in Philadelphia, but then you have people here and in Pittsburgh that are being killed every single day. I mean, last night we had three people shot and killed. People want guns off the streets, so we have to in this state we have to find this balance. I don't know what that balance is. I don't know how to control that balance or what the solution is, but there has to be a balance with this state to solving this particular problem. Chris and Johansson, it's always great having you on Scroll Down. Thanks for coming back. You got it. A big thank you to Steve Tawa and Chris and Johansson for coming on the podcast. Find Steve on Twitter at Steve Tawa, T-A-W-A. Kristen is at Chris and Johansson. She's on Facebook at Kristen Johansson KYW. And if you like true crime podcasts, go check out Gone Cold Philadelphia. Kristen and I work on that podcast together about unsolved murders right here in Philly, the suburbs, South Jersey, all around the area. Follow Scroll Down on Twitter at Scroll Down Pod. You can follow me at T-Rick, T-E-E-R-I-C-K. I'm Tom Rickert. Thanks for listening to Scroll Down, a KYW News Radio original podcast. I'll talk to you again next time.
If you like to drink beer, booze, or both, it's time to come hang out with me, John McDevitt. And me, Paul Kurtz, on the Beer and Booze Bros, a KYW News Radio podcast. We'll feature local people and places responsible for your favorite brews and spirits. Some a little odd. I can't tell you about them because I'd have to kill you. And some a little risky. Absolutely. How is this legal? But overall, delicious. I love, oh, I love your beer. Thank you very much. I do love your beer. <laughs> That's the Beer and Booze Bros, available wherever you get your podcasts, like the one you're listening to now.